Thank you for listening to the A Stomping Ground on 365 Sportscast. The A Stomping Ground is sponsored by Dent Solutions of Napa Valley, House Doctors Painting of San Jose, and American Asphalt of Hayward. Now, back with you for another hour of Ace Talk, your host, Brandon Greco. Welcome back to another episode of the Ace Stomping Ground. I, of course, Brandon Greco. Last week was pretty, pretty tough. Had the series with Texas, had the series with Boston over the 4th of July weekend. Texas series was just hard to watch. The Red Sox series was just painful. Very frustrating, both of them. And after all that, we have an off day and now have Houston this week. And we have the All-Star break coming up, so there's a lot to talk about, a lot going on. Not going to be a lot next week, so I'm going to try to see if I could talk some of these trades into happening. you got to put it out there and good things will happen. Hopefully, anyway. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. And, of course, what's first up on the list are the dings and dents with this team, which is sponsored by Dent Solution. How many of us have parked far away to try and avoid having someone or something dent our car? If you are like me and love your ride, I guarantee you hate dents. It can be a hassle dealing with insurance or simply finding that correct paint job for that fine finish. Well, it doesn't have to be a hassle. Dent Solutions specializes in the art of paintless dent repair. Just like you need a specialist for neck and back pain, when you have a dent or a ding, you need the dentologist. With Dent Solution of the Napa Valley, San Rafael, Marin, Petaluma, Novato, Fairfield, and Vacaville. For over three decades, Ian Cordol has provided five-star service, specializing in world-class repairs. It's a true art, and if you're a victim of unsightly dents and dings, then the dentologist is your fast, affordable solution to those minor dents and dings. The dings and the dents with this team, what we know, and what I've continued to have been saying and leading off with for the past 14 weeks, Trevor Rosenthal, Mike Fires, not going to be back in July. Rosenthal, hopefully mid-August, Fires may not pitch again this year for the A's, or for anyone. So that's what's going on with them. When Delkin is back up, he's been back up. He's been pitching pretty well. Not, I feel like I haven't seen him pitch a whole lot of innings, but he's back and another arm to that bullpen. And Marcana, he should be coming off the 10-day injury list pretty soon. I'd imagine maybe another couple days, maybe during the Astros series. Definitely when we get back from the All-Star break, they should be fully healthy. And... Steven Piscotti just came off the injured list. But when one goes off, it seems like one comes on. Insert Mitch Moreland, who is now on the 10-day injured list as well. So that's what we have for the A's with the injuries, who's came back, who went on the injured list. And the Moreland we'll talk about later. I've talked a lot about the lefty bats that the A's do and do not have. So that's what's going on with them right now. And... As I was saying, I'm going to try to talk some of these trades into existence. There has been one, and it was with the Diamondbacks, a team that I thought the A's were going to trade with. Was it for the guy I wanted? Of course not. It was for Sam Mole, who pitched for the A's a couple years ago to an ERA of not so good. So that is what the A's have done. They traded for Sam Mole, who has a career 10-8 ERA. Not totally sure what that move is. May as well have just kept Raymond Gardine on the team. 
a left Sam Bull also a left-handed pitcher. Not totally sure what's up with that. I guess just depth from the left side. The A's only have Deakman in the bullpen, who is from the left side, which I think is costing them more than they might think. And so that's what the A's have done. They traded for Sam Bull, a, ER, a pitcher with an ERA of 10-8 and 6 and 2 thirds innings. So, I mean, it's not a lot of sample size, but he's gotten hit around pretty good in his six innings of work at age 29. He hasn't really done anything in the league. Six innings. He's given up more runs than he's pitched innings. So, there you go. That's who the A's just got. Sam Bull. That's exactly the news you want to hear after losing a heartbreaking series to the Red Sox and to the Rangers. The A's right now are not playing well at all offensively I should say their pitching has been pretty phenomenal for the most part a couple bad outings here a couple bad outings there but over the course of 162 that's just how it goes even unless you're Jacob deGrom even the best pitchers have off days now and then they don't have any number one certified aces in that rotation they have a couple I think with Manaya and Chris Bassett that are, I think are really good twos. I don't know necessarily about a one. When I think of a one, I think of Jacob DeGrom, Max Scherzer, Justin Verlander, and all those guys. You know, I think that Chris Bassett, Sean Manaya are two really good number two starting pitchers. It's not bad you have two of them, but I think that with the depth that they have, in the rotation and how well they've pitched that they could kind of they could kind of manage and keep the A's in games as long as their offense comes along for the ride. And it has not. The A's offense has been pretty bad pretty much after once that Giants series started. The Matt Olson was one of the few and Tony Kemp who were swinging the bat well for the A's. And as soon as Matt Olson stops hitting home runs and getting two, three hits a game. The A's, as we know, lost two out of three to the Giants. They continued to lose two out of three to the Rangers. And then they go and lose two out of three to the Red Sox. So the A's are three and six in their last nine, if my math is correct. But as we know, most of the time it's not. And they were a season-high 16 games over 500. They now find themselves 12 games over 500. That is four games, yeah. So my math... No, my math's not correct. But they're now 12 games over 500. And you have Houston Astros coming into town, who currently you are behind in the standings by three and a half games. So since the A's had the three-game lead, that was pretty much when the A's stopped playing well. It's been a six-and-a-half game swing. The Astros are now 19 games over 500. And they tried. They were trying to help the A's out. They lost a couple games. They lost four in a row between Baltimore and Detroit, which is something that no one expected, but was something that happened. And the A's were not able to capitalize on that. Like I was saying last week, you have to win when, the, when they lose. You have to win when they lose in order to get back in the division. I mean, it's only three and a half games, but with how the A's offense has been playing and with how their bullpen's been pitching and with their new addition of Sam Mole instead of other players, cause for concern. And with this team, I am very concerned. Their plus 29 run, run differential 
out of all the teams over 500 in the American League, well, not over 500, but out of all the teams that are serious playoff contenders, that is the lowest by 43 runs. The Red Sox are plus 64, Rays 60, plus 67, Toronto, four games over 500, plus 73. The only good news is the Yankees are one game over 500. They're minus 11. Their pitching has been terrible. But we're not here to talk about the Yankees. You're welcome. We're here to talk about the A's. And I'm trying to make everyone feel better by saying, well, look at how bad the Yankees are compared to how the A's are. The Yankees aren't even bad. They just have no pitching. And they took two out of three from the A's, so what does that say about the A's? It's just very rough to watch. This has been one of the most roller coaster seasons I have been a part of. And being an A's fan, that's pretty much every year. The team starts 36-36 two years in a row. They go on to win 97 games. Last year they started out hot. They win the division. No playoff success. This year, they start out terrible. They win 13 games in a row, and pretty much since then, it's been... They've had a couple hot stretches. They find themselves 12 games over 500. So since that, since the 18th game of the year, the 20th game of the year, these are six games over 500, which is not great. That's really... that's. I mean, you're playing winning baseball, but barely... You're not beating any of the teams that you're going to have to see in October if you do want to win. And that's pretty terrifying considering that the Astros are... Um, well, that series kicks off in about three hours. So that's it's, it's just really tough to, to know what's going on, to have any sort of confidence with the A's right now, for me anyway, just because there's so many questions... There's so many holes that need to be filled, and we've seen them in the past when they've been good. They've gone out early. They've made moves. They Sam Mole, I guess, is the move they made. I don't count that. I, I will just say they picked him up in free agency. I don't really count that as a trade. You didn't really, you didn't, you gave up cash for a guy that. I'm trying to be nice. You gave up cash for a guy that shouldn't even be in the league. Honestly, I mean with. On this team especially, maybe on like the Marlins, but not on a team that's trying to take over one of the best teams in baseball and for first place, especially going to Houston. Sam Mole is not the confidence booster that the Oakland Athletics fans wanted. The trade with the Diamondbacks, I see Athletics trade with Diamondbacks on my phone. I was like, oh my gosh, should I just project David Peralta to the A's? Nope, I did not. I wish, though. It would be nice to have someone like him come to the A's, especially now with the news of Mitch Moreland being out. Another left-handed bat. Gone. I mean, Seth Brown almost hit for the cycle against Boston. That, I think he had three hits in one game. Three hits that might be more hits than he had in all of June. Or the same amount of hits he had in all of June, other than that Kansas City series. Seth Brown has been pretty much non-existent. He, other than like two games since mid-May, uh, it's it's very tough, especially when Canna goes down. Tony Kemp at the top of the order is not what this team needs. Tony Kemp at the Tony Kemp at the bottom of this order is what this team needs. 
I don't like seeing Kemp and Andrews hitting 1-2. I would much rather see Mark Canna hitting leadoff. I think everyone would much rather see Mark Canna hitting leadoff. I think Tony Kemp's little stretch of being hot is pretty much over. Same with Matt Olson. Tony Kemp seems right now that he's... It seems like he's looking to walk up there. He takes a lot of pitches, and it seems like when he's swinging, he's trying to foul it off. He's just trying to foul off pitches. I'm not sure how much damage he's actually trying to cause. It seems like he's just trying to foul off pitches and get balls to, to take and get on first base. Not a bad tactic, but it's not a great one. So the A's right now, all year I've pretty much been disregarding Tony Kemp as a left-handed bat. I think left-handed, right-handed, it does not matter, who, especially who he's facing. I think that his number one goal is to walk. Um... He had that sack fly against the Red Sox that gave us the win. And it is that bat before that with the bases loaded and nobody out. Infield in, outfield in. He tried to bunt, popped it up. So, Tony Kemp, he's not, he isn't going to be, he's not a guy to go up there and, you know, feel comfortable with. He's like, he could get a base hit right now. No, he's going to try to do the little things right, try to move the runner over, try to get on base, try to lay down a safety squeeze, get the sacrifice fly. I don't know if you want that guy hitting leadoff. I don't even know if you want him playing every single day. His defense has been amazing. The one thing I will say about that is he's been in second. He's been at second base. He's been in left field in that Red Sox series. In left field, he dove for a ball which he had no business diving for, and it went past him. Red Sox capitalized on that. One of the other games at second base, he made an error. Errors happen, but at the same time. I don't know how often Tony Kemp has been an everyday player going from second base to left field. It seems like even I mean, even in the middle of games, he's moving from second base to left field. Try to keep some of these guys at one position. I don't necessarily like the idea of trying to platoon everyone. I think that at this point in the season, at this point where the team is trying to be... Give guys their proper role that... That they're gonna like you know get used to Tony Kemp bench player to every day to bench player to second base to left field Chad Pinder you know what you're gonna get out of him utility bench player Tony Kemp also should be a utility bench player there's some guys hurt right now so he's gonna be playing more so that's how it goes but Tony Kemp's in the starting lineup I just don't like this team making it very far I feel like that's a pretty fair assessment to make. Not a lot of... just it, It's Tony Kemp. He, I mean, his average peaked, and now it's dropping down to what it usually goes to. 260, 250 at the end of the year. I think that's pretty much what everyone expected out of Tony Kemp. So that being said, left-handed hitter Tony Kemp, left-handed hitter Seth Brown, left-handed hitter Matt Olson, Mitch Moreland. Mitch Moreland has been hitting 230 all year. He's now hurt. Seth Brown hitting 190 all year. Not all year. He started out pretty hot, and I like Seth Brown, but he hasn't done anything, and it looks like his approach is staying the same. Hopefully that three-hit game could get him in the right direction. That is exactly what the A's would need is for someone to actually get hot and carry this team. Like I said last week, I completely changed my view on this team and what I thought they were going to do and how I thought they were going to be this year in order to succeed. Turns out I was very wrong. I said that this isn't going to be a team that relies on one person, and if it does, they'll be even better. This is a team that 
needs one person to be hitting 300 all year. And the rest of the guys follow. You have to have someone get on base. Matt Olson, when he was hitting 300, when he got his average up from 260 to 310, he was on a roll. He was single-handedly carrying the team. And now, he's not. In the A's have lost 6 out of 9. Matt Chapman, his on-base streak is nice. The defense is nice. He's starting to heat up. He's hitting over 230 now, which is big compared to his average dropping under 200 for a brief moment there. Kind of concerning out of Matt Chapman. But, he, you know, it's just I'm really hoping the All-Star break is going to be just what this team needs. Just what this team needs. Get everyone healthy. Get everyone a week of rest other than Matt Olson, who I think is going to be the only All-Star festivity participant for the A's, as of now anyway. Maybe Bassett could end up making his way in if something happens. I think that would be the best bet, maybe Trevino. Uh, but all I've seen is Matt Olson, who is now also participating in the Home Run Derby. Um, there have been people that have shown, oh, maybe Matt Olson doesn't need to go to the Home Run Derby. You don't want to mess his swing up, but his swing... He hasn't hit a home run in a while, so who knows? Maybe that's what he needs. He needs to see about 40 balls leave the fence, especially in Colorado. That should be fun to watch. Matt Olson in Colorado just hitting baseballs as far as he possibly can. I'm very excited for the All-Star Game festivities, which we'll talk about in a little bit at the end of the show. We'll kind of wrap up with that, and the next time I talk to you will actually be, I think, the day of the All-Star Game, so I'm not going to talk about it too much today. We'll talk about it more next week, and... Try to fill up some time there with that because World Days, they have this week and then All-Star break. You have a week off. So that's what's going on. So let's get back to last week and talk about the painful series against Texas. We don't have to talk too much about it just because, you know, it already happened. And it wasn't pretty. It was not an enjoyable game. It was not an enjoyable series. The A's started out. With a one nothing lead, it seems like they score. Early. They've been scoring first or early a lot recently. Um, not able to capitalize. James Caprillion ended up getting the loss in that game. Gave up three earned runs in the fourth, fifth, and sixth inning. And then the A's they tried in the bottom of the ninth. The Rangers ended up making it five to three, five to two. The A's come up. They hit two solo home runs, make it a one run game to lead off the ninth. One, two, three after that. So that's how that game ends after Lowry and Moreland Homer to try to get the A's back in it. Nada. Game two of that series. A's win 3-1. They score three in the second. That's it. That's all they got. Frank Schwindel, welcome to the big leagues, my friend. I know you've been up before. You've been hitting the ball good since you've come up. You've been hitting it pretty hard. I like to see that. Can't complain. Not 29-year-old rookie. Comes up, hits a home run in his first major league. Not his first major league game. He was 1-for-15, I think, with the Kansas City Royals in 2019. Gets his first major league home run out of the way. Gets another base hit. Gets a double. Had a couple RBIs this past week. Definitely showed a nice swing. And a couple balls he hit. That home run he hit was an absolute bomb. And a couple of his flyouts, I thought, even looked a little bit more routine. But had a lot more carry on them. And this is a guy that hits, hit 16 home runs in the minor leagues, hitting 320, close to 320 anyway. So he has some pop in his bat. And for a team struggling to score runs consistently, if someone's hot, you got to get them up. You can't be lounging. You can't just waste your time with them. you got to get them up if they're hot. 
And then, well, game three of that series, Sharma and I didn't pitch so great. Five innings, four runs, nine hits. Ace lost that game 8-3. to three. Not really much to report on there. The Ace, just like the game before, scored all three of their runs in one inning. In the eighth, Frank Schwindel reached on an error. Chad Pinner with a double. Ramon Laureano with an RBI ground out. 8-3. to three. That series was pretty much summed up by one man, Joey Gallo, had six home runs against the A's and like that seven-game stretch, if not more. A guy that the A's have been linked to. I mean, if he swings like this the rest of the year, yeah, fine, go get him. You better go get him, if you can anyway. But I don't know if another guy that is home run or strikeout is really what this team needs. I think that they need someone to actually have their average... You know, over 250. That's definitely what this team needs. Uh, I'm looking at their team, and I talk about it every week. I try not to talk about it too much last week. You have Olsen hitting 283. Yikes, with the voice crack. You have Olsen hitting 283. You have Tony Kemp hitting 261. Canna at 255. Lowry at 250. Everyone else is under 240. Except for Frank Swindle and Sean Mania. Swindle at 273 in his brief time with the A's in 2-3, 11 plate appearances. He has three hits, a double, a home run, three RBIs. Shamanaya, obviously, two for two in the year and a pitcher. So with the A's, 283 is your team high. That's not bad. But then you see two, four guys on this team that have more than... 20 at-bats have an average over 250. That makes me want to throw up. That really makes me so irritated. Loriano, 234. Chapman, I said was over 230. I was mistaken. 229. Elvis Andrews, 228. Murphy, his average came up from 215 to a whopping 225. Piscotti at 217. Pinder at 211, Aramis Garcia at 215, Sky Bolt and Seth Brown both under 200, Brown at 191, Sky Bolt at 125. Believe it or not, the A's do not have the worst team batting average in baseball. I know that is hard to believe. It's actually the Brewers, which is very interesting to me. The Brewers are 51 and 35 and have the worst batting team batting average in baseball. That being said, their division is terrible. They're 16 games over 500, and they have the worst batting team batting average in baseball. Let that sink in. A team that collectively gets the fewest hits in baseball has one of the bigger leads in their division in all of baseball, and is 16 games over 500. I guess that's how it goes some year. Some years, some divisions are better than the others. The Brewers also have really good starting pitching, so there's that. But, I mean, when your team's hitting under 220, you don't think that you're going to be 16 games over 500, and that just shows how great their pitching has been. The ace pitching, on the other hand, we, as ace fans know, it's pretty much been the story of Trevino's been pretty good this year. Manaya's been really good this year. Chris Bassett's been really good this year. Crickets. Caprillion's been pretty decent. 
Um, he's a rookie. You're not totally sure how that's going to pan out the rest of the year, if that if that's going to continue. But as of right now, I'm liking what I'm seeing out of him. I'm hoping that this is how it's going to be, and teams just haven't. And this isn't a case of he just hasn't quite been picked up on by teams yet, and his habits or whatever. He's still very new to the league, so there's still a lot of film and stuff to come out on him. <coughs> Excuse me. So that could all change. Not totally sure what the deal is with the acquisition of Sam Bull. The rotation has been phenomenal. Cole Irvin's also pitched well this year. The bullpen has been abysmal. Absolutely terrible this year. Um, they started out very well. They had one of the better team ERAs in baseball. And then you started throwing Petit out there, Diekman out there, and Trevino out there pretty much every day. Petit looks like he has nothing left compared to what he has in the beginning of the year, the first month and a half. He's due for, it seems like, two hits and a run each time he pitches. Diekman is burnt out. He's 35, and he's throwing way too many innings. He's the only lefty that team has. So anytime there's a high-leverage situation and you need the lefty to come in, it's going to be Diekman. Oh, sorry, Sam Mole now. I guess that's why they made that trade. It's a bunch of hot garbage, that trade. But Diekman, the only lefty that this team has had in the bullpen for about a month now. And Trevino's been really well. Pitched really well. Air reliever of the month. Sean Manaya, AL pitcher of the month. So I applaud to them. Matt Olson probably, the first half of June, probably could have was in the running for player of the month. He was hitting close to 400, hitting home runs, it seemed like, every day, driving in runs, and then he went about 10 games without an extra base hit. I'm actually, that stretch might still be going from the last time we talked, unless I missed something. He hasn't been getting RBIs. He's kind of been sitting on 20 and around 50 for, well, about two weeks now. Whenever that Giants series ended, it's, uh, it's very confusing, this team. Very confusing, this team. All the talent in the world, all the potential in the world. They just can't figure it out. But I think that, well, I mean, what do you think happens when you lose your team leader and you're one of the best closers in baseball and you're trying to mix, mix and match to have those guys be, have these new guys fill in for that collectively? No, that's not going to cut it. Not going to cut it over here. You need to have the star power in this division, especially going up against the Astros. Elvis Andrews has been swinging a hot bat. He's hitting close to 300 in the past month and a half. That I like. Finally hit his first home run. I almost thought that he wasn't going to hit one this year. And then the next game, he had guys on, and it looked like he was trying too hard to hit home runs. Cut the swing down, hit it to right field. Just keep doing that. Clearly home runs will come. You hit one. I rather you hit three. I rather you hit 300 with zero home runs than 240 with seven home runs, Elvis Andrews, because at this rate in your career, you hit 20 once, you ain't doing that again, definitely not this year, unless he has the best second half to a season ever, I mean, that would only be 19 home runs, but with having one for the first 90 games or 80 games, then you hit 19, that's not going to happen, so we don't even have to talk about that, but it's there's just a lot of, there's just a lot of confusion around this team with me right now. With what they're going to be doing. So that's kind of where I'm going to lead into. Next after we talk about this Red Sox series just a little bit. 
That was rough. Sunday, they lost one nothing. They had opportunities. They did absolutely nothing with them. They pitched great. One run. Caprillion pitched amazing. Seven innings, one earned run. Ten strikeouts. Petit came in, inning. He actually didn't give up anything. Garen Romo came in and finished it out, nothing. Tony Kemp, Olsen, and Matt Chapman had a hit. Sean Murphy had a hit. No extra base hits. Four singles the A's had, a couple walks, and a whole lot of strikeouts. Eleven of them. That's not good. It's not great. It's pretty bad, actually. They won the game before. I thought uh, I was tired of seeing guys get thrown out at home. They lost game three of that series, one nothing. It was just a rough series. I honestly am like trying to think of the words as I'm going along right now to for this series, but it was painful. It was very, it was very painful to watch. Friday, Seth Brown thrown out at home, lose three to two, a one run game. Saturday, I can't remember who it was, but someone was thrown out at home, and I, I said, oh no, here we go again. It's happening again. They're not going to be able to get it done. Luckily, they were able to because the Red Sox, after scoring two runs, were stupid enough to put the tying run on first base. I'm not sure why or what their thought process with that was. I understand trying to get the force in a tie game. That run doesn't count. But when you're now up by two, why put them on first base? Dumb decision by them, but one that I was happy paid off finally in the 12th inning. And then, like I said, they lost on the 4th of July, one to nothing. So that's that's how the week wrapped up. Pretty, pretty uneventful. It's pretty tough losing two out of three to Texas, especially with how bad they are. They probably could have swept the they could have swept the Red Sox series if their offense would have showed up in games one and two. If they would have capitalized on their on their opportunities, but as we've seen time and time again, their situational hitting has been garbage the entire year. Other than Sean Murphy and Jed Lowry, who actually have been hitting pretty well with runners in scoring position. Matt Olson, he's hasn't done anything. His average drop from three oh seven, he's hitting two eighty three. As quickly as it went up, it has dropped, which is I don't even understand how that works, but that's baseball. It's how it goes. So after losing four out of six on this homestand you have a day off Monday, and you go to Houston. So that's what we're going to be talking about coming up next. We're also going to be talking about what's next on the schedule. So let's get into that Houston series. Game one should be a pretty good, should be the A's best chance to win. Get off on a right note. You have Chris Bassett pitching game one. I really like that. I'm going to talk a little bit more about Chris Bassett. And I kind of was reading something in the middle of making this that I didn't really think of but is now kind of getting under my skin which I wasn't going to talk about but I'm going to now spend a little bit more time on this and just kind of the obsession that the world is having with Shohei Otani right now um, and how that does affect Chris Bassett actually uh, and Tuesday I like how the A's rotation lines up perfectly you got one two three four pitching this Tuesday Sean Mania Thur Thursday Actually, it's only a three-game series, so that's good. Frankie Montas. No Cole Irvin against Houston. Good thing. They pushed him back. He's now going to pitch. 
I think that will be Friday against Texas. So we're going to see Texas again, and that will be Cole Irvin, followed by Caprillion with Chris Bassett pitching the last game on Sunday going into the All-Star break. So right now, Tuesday, July 6th, we got Chris Bassett against Houston. This Houston series, three games, you have your two best pitchers pitching. You're not seeing Granky. That right there is a plus. The Astros offense, as hot as they were, they have cooled down a little bit. They have been winning games again. Their averages, they had kind of all year, they've been flirting with four or five guys hitting over 300 or 290. Right now, I think they're some of those guys are a little bit under 300, so some of them, their averages has dropped, but they're still hitting 290, which is very good, very, very good. Not as, just a little, a tiny drop-off, still cause for concern is the Astros, Brantley, Bregman, Altuve, Correa, Gurriel, we know, every, A's fans know already. It's uh, it's going to be a tough series. It's going to be tough to try to bounce back from losing four out of six at home, going to Houston. You've already lost three out of ten. I'm just hoping that they don't get embarrassed. That's all I'm hoping out of this series is that they don't get embarrassed, is that they find a way to stay competitive. Even if they don't win the series, I'm not super confident going into this. I think that they should be able to get one. They have to get one. Hopefully it's today. If they win today, that'd be huge. They cannot lose game one of this series. They have to win the first game of that series. Chris Bassett is going to give them the best chance to win. I think pitching against anyone, Chris Bassett is going to give them the best chance to win. Like I said, him and Mania, really good number twos. I think Bassett, out of the two of them, has more potential to be a number one starter, which he has been this year. Which he has been this year, and looking at his career numbers, he has been a pretty good pitcher in his career, which I know A's fans, especially last year, know. I mean, Chris Bassett, in his career, 96 games, he's 28 and 23. His first year with the A's, I think he was like 0-7, 1-6 or something like that. Just no run support. So, I mean, the wins and loss are kind of hard to look at. 3-4-8 career ERA in 505 innings with, a, with 454 strikeouts and a 1.22 whip. This year, Chris Bassett, 9-2 with a 3-4... 3.404 ERA and 106 innings with 109 strikeouts. That's not too shabby. That is not too shabby at all. He should have been an all-star. Like I said, we'll be talking about that. Chris Bassett should be an all-star this year. There's still a chance for him to get in. I think that he actually might get in the all-star game. Um, I don't hope anyone gets hurt, but Sometimes the pitchers that are going to be in the All-Star game, they end up pitching on Sunday, meaning they're ineligible for Tuesday. That happens each year. There's usually one or two guys in each league. So Chris Bassett, for not being an All-Star, probably he's probably on standby. I, I feel like he might be number one on the waiting list to get into the All-Star game. And if he's not, then I'm going to have to find out who's in charge and give them a serious talking to, or write them a very strongly worded, poor, punctuated email. It's what I do. I, uh, Chris Bassett is just pitching phenomenal this year. Absolutely phenomenal. Game one against the Astros after losing four out of six. No one I'd rather see pitching right now. Last year in the wild card series, A's lose the first game. Chris Bassett pitches game two. 
and just shoves against Chicago. He's their get-right starter. Every time he's pitching, you have to feel like you're going to win the game. All you have to do, 3.4 ERA. Score three runs, and you have a great chance at winning the game with Chris Bassett in. Against Houston, you might need to score more than three runs, though. Against most other teams, well, they have been scoring three runs, and they're not getting it done. But that's not due to their starting pitching. That's due to their bullpen coming in and keep blowing saves. Oh, it's frustrating. It's so frustrating. But Chris Bassett, pitching game one, I'm very excited about. I think that in Houston, hit a friendly ballpark. Who knows? Maybe Tony Kemp will connect on one. Last time, Tony Kemp went to a very hitter-friendly ballpark, Yankee Stadium for lefties. I said that I thought that he was going to hit a home run or two. He ended up hitting two. I can see Tony Kemp hitting a home run. I think Matt Olson right before the home run derby, right before the All-Star game, he's going to want to put on a show. I think that he's going to. I think that he'll have a good series. Matt Chapman. Now's. Now's the time. I mean, you've been heating up. You've been on base 21 games in a row. You had the 15-game hitting streak, but now's the time for you to do what you did against Kansas City and keep that going the rest of the year because that's what this team needs. We need our best players to perform. And other than Matt Olson, who has actually not been performing the past week and a half, Loriano and Chapman have not been good this year, both hitting under 240. Loriano also on the verge of being under 230 with Matt Chapman. When two of your three supposed best offensive players have batting average that close to 230, that's... Yeah, I'm sorry. I don't, I just tell, you tell me how you're going to win games. Other than the Brewers, well, the Brewers are in a bad division. The A's are not in a bad division. So you tell me in a good division when two of your three best offensive players are hitting 230-ish, how are you supposed to win games? With good starting pitching and a good bullpen, right? Good starting pitching, check. Good bullpen. I started to write it, and then... My pencil broke. I couldn't finish the check. It's kind of how they. That's kind of how they's bullpen has gone this year. They've they come in, start it, looks okay, not able to get it done. Can't finish. Can't close it out. I think they had eight blown saves. I saw in June at least eight, and going into June they I think as a team had eight. So their bullpen last month pretty much fell apart. The lineup after they started out the month 14-5 and five, pretty much fell apart. That did the month not so great. I was hoping this was going to be, you know, one of those A's Junes that gets them going. But it didn't look like it. And I think that that could be the biggest red flag that there has been all year. A team that everyone's just waiting on to get hot just isn't going to do it. And has not done it for longer than about five, six games. They had one good stretch, 13-0, and and in that stretch, they probably should have lost two or three of those games. That's how it goes. You win games. You lose games that you should win. You win games that you should lose. But when you win 13 in a row, obviously a couple things went right. And since then, they've pretty much been playing 500 ball. Just not been... I mean, they were 13-7. and seven. And since then, they've... They're 11 games over, so they've picked up five games. Just not good. It's just not good. So that's kind of that's what's going on with the A's. 
They have the rotation pitching again one time through and Chris Bassett pitching twice in the next week leading up to the All-Star game. Ah, shoot. I just realized he's pitching Sunday, so he actually may not even be able to... He wouldn't even be able to pitch in the All-Star game. Dadgummit. Well, there goes my theory with Chris Bassett, but I'm still going to talk about what needs to be said. Shohei Otani has 31 home runs this year and has been an offensive force. Maybe the best offensive player in baseball this year. Eh, maybe, arguably. Vlad Guerrero Jr. is giving him a run for his money. But let's look at the pitching numbers. A, 12 games, 3-1 record, 60 innings pitched, 3-6 ERA, 83 strikeouts. Shohei Otani is the first player, I'm not sure ever, but in a while maybe is what it was, to make the All-Star game as both a hitter and a pitcher. I'm going to call baloney on that. That's a load. That's a load of crap. He's not an All-Star pitcher this year. An All-Star hitter, sure. Pitcher, no. This is just another example of the MLB and professional sports forcing players down our throats instead of seeing who the real up-and-coming players are. This is like the NBA forcing Zion down our throat. I'm not saying that Zion is going to be a bust, but the clear faces of the league, I think, are Doncic and Trey Young for the future. Those are the two guys. Zion will be one of them, but he is not the guy like everyone is making him seem. Same with MLB. I think that it's... Well, Tatis and Guerrero and Shohei Otani pretty much are the only people that I'm seeing consistent highlight updates on my phone for. And I think that Tatis and Guerrero deserve it. Otani definitely does. But the fact that everywhere I go is someone saying Otani this, Otani that, Otani this, Otani that. And I understand what's happening. I understand that he is in the middle of one of the greatest seasons ever. Pitching and hitting. But just because of that doesn't mean he's an all-star pitcher. Because he can do both doesn't, and he's great at one does not mean he's great at the other. Now, saying that, he throws 100 and he has the most unhittable, one of the most unhittable splitters in baseball. And he got roughed up by the Yankees, so the ERA did kind of take a big hit after that game. But for a guy that's already in it, to then take away a spot for someone else at a different position that deserves it, like Chris Bassett, with his 9-2 record and a 3.4 ERA and over 100 innings pitched. He has 46 more innings pitched than Otani this year. His ERA is 1.03 to Otani's 127. He's pitched in 17 games to Otani's 12. Shohei Otani should be an all-star. Yes. Pitching? No. Chris Bassett got robbed of an all-star appearance. And the league still could do the right thing and put him in. He will not pitch in that game because he's pitching on Sunday, but he deserves to at least be in attendance in Colorado. I'm not sure how much that means to other people, but he deserves to be an all-star, and he is an all-star. 
He's top 15 in the league in ERA. His ERA is almost under 3. He's pitched over 100 innings this year. The guy has been unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. Chris Basser right now, he's actually not in the top 20 in ERA. That's Joe Musgrove is 20th with a 2.97. There's a lot of guys actually pitching really, really well this year. I don't see Otani on there. That makes me feel a little bit better. There's Chris Basser to be an all-star. I thought I was going to prove my point by seeing him in the top 20. He's not, but he should be an all-star. He is the ace on a team that is second in the division behind the Astros, that it has been... Their starting pitching has the most innings pitched in baseball, one of the best team ERAs starting pitching-wise in baseball, and it is led by Chris Bassett. He's an all-star this year. He got snubbed. Now, I'm not saying this is as bad as Damian Lillard getting snubbed from the all-star game a couple years ago, but this is still pretty bad. This is still pretty bad. Remember when the A's only all-star was Steven Vogt? Oh. God. That's when it was bad, because the A's were always sending pitchers to the all-star game. Never any hitters. And then they did send a hitter, and it was a guy hitting 260. Oh, man. Those are some rough times. Those are some rough times. And it really makes you think, like, yeah, every team has to get one, and Matt Olson is the A's all-star, for sure. He's been their best player on offense this year. He deserves to be there as well. Chris Bassett, I don't know about maybe deserves it more, but it's pretty close. I mean, you got to think about what's Matt Olson plays every day, gold glove first base, 20 home runs, 50-plus RBIs, 280-plus batting average right now. That's all-star worthy. Chris Bassett also, almost 10 wins, very close to a sub-2 ERA. Over 100 innings pitched, over 100 strikeouts, that's an all-star. That's an all-star, and I'll be damned if he's not an all-star. Even if he's not, um, he is. He, I mean, he, Chris Bassett's an all-star. Even if he's not actually going to be put on the all-star team, he's an all-star this year. And it's a shame that he may not be able to participate in at least being there. Like I said, he's pitching today, he's pitching Sunday, he's not going to pitch again Tuesday. He's probably going to be the ace first pitcher when they come back from the all-star break. Chris Bassett deserves to be an all-star. So, that being said, Matt Olson, Chris Bassett, they deserve to be all-stars. Sean Manaya, close. I'm happy with Sean Manaya. Cole Irvin has been pitching very well. James Caprillion has been pitching very well. Frankie Montas has been very inconsistent. But he has the stuff and is not a bad fourth, fifth starter for a team making a playoff run if they have a good bullpen. So, bum, ba, da, ba, here we go with the trades again. They traded for Sam Mole. Not good enough. I am sticking to exactly what I said last week. Excuse me. <coughs> Nelson Cruz, who is an all-star. Get him. Brian Reynolds. Richard Rodriguez on the Pirates. If they're both, if they're not all-stars, I'm not totally sure of the National League All-Star team off the top of my head. They should be all-stars. Go get them. You need them. If you do that, you're set. If you can't get them, I understand trading for three all-stars when you don't have a great minor league system, when you don't have a lot to give up that's up and ready, can be tough. 
the only good news that you could possibly think of is what do the Pirates, a team that stink, need with a good closer? The Twins, not great. Probably not going to catch the White Sox. Not going to, definitely not going to catch the White Sox. Maybe the Indians if they cool off a little bit, but even them, I think, kind of running away with it. Nelson Cruz, 40-plus years old. Not going to have to give up too much for him. I think that could be your best bet. We're leaving around the trade debt relievers around the trade deadline. Usually, you don't have to look too far to try to find someone to come in. They still have Kaleric down in the minors, who was really good with the Dodgers the past couple years. Maybe they give him another chance, another lefty. But you have to get you have to get a lefty bat in this lineup. I don't even care anymore who it is, as long as he can hit over 250. I've been saying David Peralta. Any lefty that wants to hit over 250 and play in the outfield, get him. Just get him. I just want to see someone that's hitting the ball consistently. Not swinging at the first pitch and popping it up with a guy on third base and one out. Not striking out on the same pitch. Three Curveball, curveball, curveball. Goodbye, Seth Brown. That's how that game ended on Sunday. He took the same pitch two times in a row. First one might have been a ball. Definitely was a ball. Call the strike. The second one was a little bit better, but he took it. Pretty much same spot. Third pitch. He threw it again, but in the dirt. Swung over. Strike three. Game over. The approach that this team has is just not good. The situational hitting is just not good. Their bullpen is not good. And that's exactly what you need to win in the playoffs. That's exactly what you need to win. And they struggle at both of those a lot. So it's, 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 it's just hard. It's very hard to feel optimistic about this team, feel confident in what they might be able to do down the stretch. I projected this team to win 88 games. When I had Peter on, he said over 90. I'm thinking that my 88 is starting to look more and more realistic. Finish about 15 games over 500. I think if they had 88 wins, my math's so bad, that could be really off. But I think that's about right. You might think that could be good enough to get into the wild card, but you're not sure. I'm not sure. I think this, I mean, if they're serious about this, they have to start making moves now. They cannot wait till August. By that time, it could be too late. I think, depending on how this Astros series goes, could pretty much seal the fate of this team and what they're going to do. If they come out and get embarrassed again, Billy Bean, David Force better be busy, 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 busy on the phones next week, trying to make some calls. And uh, you got to get the, you got to get some guys over here that know how to win, know how to put a team on their back for a couple weeks, and just do the thing, little things right. I know I'm tired of. It seems like these guys are going up to walk. It doesn't, and going off to foul pitches back. Mark Canna, Tony Kemp, the king of, oh, the, the announcer's cracking me up. It's like, oh, way to fight off another pitch. You just fought off 93 right down the middle of the plate. Any good hitter would have hit that ball very hard somewhere. You fouled it back to the net consistently. Oh, but he drew a walk. 
but he drew a walk. And for a team that doesn't get a lot of hits, walks are great, but how do you get over to second base when you're not running either? They completely stopped running. Loriano had eight stolen bases through the first 20 games. Here we are almost 90 games in, and he's still at eight. 70 games later, he hasn't stole a base. Why? I don't understand. You get guys on base, then you ground into double plays, and just like that, it's over. Do something. Small ball, hit and run. It's just like there's no urgency with this team right now. It's like they're just like, oh, we'll get it together, we'll get it together, we'll get it together. We're going to be saying we'll get it together. It's going to be September. There's a month left, and we're 10 out. That's how I see the season going. At least 10 out if the Astros... The Astros have been very streaky this year, too, but when they get hot, they have been way better than the A's. And their cold stretches have not been as long, and that's exactly what great teams do. The A's are a good team. They're not a great team. On a scale of 1 to 10, they're a solid 7, 7.5. Just borderline, you know? Maybe, maybe 7.2, right? If you take away 1 or 2, maybe a piece, you get one answer wrong on a test, you go... To a 60%, you get a D, right? You add a piece, you get an answer right, you get two answers right. What is this, a 25-point test? I don't know. You could get... My point being, they are right on the cusp of either being bad and having the potential to be a great team. And they are right in the middle of that spectrum, in my opinion. And I think more so on the side of being underwhelming instead of good and that all needs to change that all needs to change and I've been saying for two weeks now it needs to happen now well I can't go back and have it happen in the past it before what is it what's today's date today's date is July 6th the all-star game is July 13th July 20th exactly two weeks from now if the A's have not made any trades that show will be an angry show and I am warning you now. But in the meantime, next time I talk to you will be the day of the All-Star Game. Hopefully we'll be talking about Matt Olson winning the Home Run Derby. And during the All-Star, during that show, I'm going to try to have some people on. We're going to do a first half recap and second half predictions. So that's what's going to happen next week. And in the meantime, this week, Houston, Texas, Texas road trip before Matt Olson goes to Colorado. And the A's have a week off. Hopefully Bassett can be there. But Otani decided... I guess it's not his fault. It's baseball's fault. It's nothing against Otani. It's baseball putting him in that position to be the golden boy. Um, let's get it done. Let's get it done. We have six games left. Three and a half out. You just lost four out of six. Let's win four out of six. Win two out of three in Houston. At least get those two games back. You lost against Texas. It's that time. It's almost August. It, we're getting down to the nitty-gritty. Playoff baseball is nearing. It's a, it's a good feeling, especially when your team has a chance. It's exciting. It's nervous. I care. That's where all the slight anger comes from with this team and watching this team, the frustration. That's really what it is. It's frustration. I'm not angry at them. I'm just frustrated, irritated, and annoyed. That is how I will leave it. 
I'm excited for the All-Star game. Should be a fun week. And I'll talk to you in a week. Go Rays. Let's get it done.